0: Welcome to the Mindful Dietitian podcast. I'm Fiona Sutherland, body-inclusive non-diet dietitian and yoga teacher from Melbourne, Australia and director of the Mindful Dietitian. Please join me as I have important conversations with dietitians and health professionals from all over the world about getting brave and leaning into tough conversations as we cultivate a strong community of practitioners committed to body-inclusive practice. We'll talk about mindfulness, we'll dig into diet culture, and we'll explore ways of bringing courageous and important topics into our professional spaces so we can more deeply understand our own experience and make our work more meaningful. Thank you for joining me. Hello, and welcome back to this next episode of the Mindful Dietitian podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. So it's now just after mid-March here in Melbourne, Australia, and I think it would be fair to say that in the last week, the world has literally shifted on its axis. What this has meant for dietitians and health professionals is that we've had to make massive modification and shifts to the way we show up in the world both physically and emotionally, the way we have structured our lives, our work, our practices and our interactions and then the flow and effects that this has had in terms of of our connectedness with others um, and the way in which we connect with our clients. As a result of this major shift, also, um, I have invited three of my colleagues who I deeply, deeply respect, to join me for important conversations that we need to be having right now amongst health professionals and my own profession, dietitians. The first of these conversations is what I'm bringing to you today, and this is with my very, very dear friend and highly respected colleague, Marcy Evans. Many of you will be familiar with Marcy's work. We have run quite a few workshops together, um, notably the body image workshops, which we've held through the US and in the UK. And really, really sadly, we've had to cancel our workshops, which were going to be held in Australia this year uh, in June, following the International uh, Eating Disorders Conference. So we're kind of feeling that at the moment. Um, and as well, well as holding some sadness, we can also identify that, you know, um, a lot of other people are really hurting and are in a lot of pain throughout the world. So. Being able to hold our own disappointment around this, as well as acknowledge that this, the sadness, disappointment, frustration, um, anxiety and stress is something that is becoming very, very familiar to lots of people throughout the world. So I invited Marcy particularly to speak to me about how we might redefine self-care during these pretty tough times, especially when we're working with people who might really be struggling in their own relationships with food and eating and their body image. Now, Marcy is absolutely incredible when it comes to talking about self-care because she doesn't talk about it being bubble baths and massages and all those things. Although, I mean, that's nice. If that's something that's accessible to you, um, then fantastic. But the conversation that Marcie and I had really extended beyond you know, the way that we might usually name self-care into um, inviting us to become much more attuned and interoceptive to our changing needs, even from moment to moment, day to day, week to week and beyond, and how we can be much more um, aware of how we can meet our changing needs and how that really becomes so pivotal when it comes to working with people, other people who are really doing it tough at the moment and how this can really bolster us to both contribute to um, our community and also to be showing up in the world in a way that is meaningful and the way that is aligned with our values. So that's the first thing we talk about is, you know, what even is self-care and how can we become much more Mm, attuned, I guess, to what we need at any one time. This then leads nicely into a an important topic very close to my heart something which i enjoy speaking about repetitively and that is the b word boundaries uh so what we talk about here is what even boundaries are and how again how we kind of define these for ourselves and how we can be both really attuned to um times when our boundaries are being crossed and how we can uh, set and maintain boundaries even if people aren't too happy with them and this then leads in really nicely to a a section of the conversation around self-worth and how when we are gifted with self-worth if we have that privilege through our families that um, we are then able to be able to understand how to set boundaries in a much more clear fashion and so we hope that these conversations are just really helpful in the work that we're doing at the moment particularly when we're finding it really tough to navigate as well and then finally I just really want you to if it's okay to really listen towards the end Marcy introduces us really generously to a powerful memory that she has around what I am naming now as the collective breath and I'm not going to do any spoiler alerts but if you're able to stick around until the very until towards the end You'll hear this really beautiful recollection that Marcy shares here, which I think will stick with me for many, many, many years to come. And what it really speaks to is the energy that we can all contribute, both within ourselves and also within community as well, and and um, ways in which we can bolster each other during uh, during this particularly difficult time. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a really special one, actually, and is one that I'm going to be going back to uh, listening to time and time again. Uh, Marcy is a very dear, dear friend, very special person, and I just know that you'll really learn a lot from her. And, um, yeah, I just, I I really hope you enjoy this episode. So sending all my best wishes to you wherever you are in the world. Stay well, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Thanks for being here. Hi, everybody. Wonderful community wherever you are in the world. Uh, Welcome to this uh, very special conversation that I'm going to be having with my very dear friend and our colleague Marcy Evans who is in Austin USA right now. Hey Marcy.
1: Hello.
0: So as a result of the unprecedented world events that are happening around at the moment we wanted to offer a little bit of a community conversation around caring for ourselves especially in the context of when we're caring for others as well. So for a lot of us who are empaths, a lot of us who are, you know, are juggling a few different things, maybe we're caring for an older person in our life, maybe we're caring for children. Um, for a lot of us, we're caring for for other communities, um, and then notably our clients. It would not be unusual that we find ourselves coming a distance last, um, and and yet, uh, you know, right now is a time when you know when we can identify useful. Uh, useful sources of being able to care for ourselves um in a way that then um you know builds our energy and 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 builds our capacity to then care for others it um i wonder whether it you know it's a it's a silver lining in um at some very very difficult times so i'm here talking to Marcy, who is arguably i would say one of the masters around um around caring for oneself. So, um so Marcy, I guess I just wanted to start us off by by asking you a little bit about, you know, how self care can look at this time and, you know, what what are your ideas about how it can what it can even look like at this time?
2: Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me to chat. You know, I wanna chat with you any chance I get so when I have an official excuse to have my husband watching my son. Mm-hmm. You know, professional reasons, sneaking down to my basement <laughs>
0: <Go on.
2: laughs> to come talk with you is, is a real treat um, and speaks to the importance of feeling connected, which we'll get to. Um, you know, I was really thinking about your suggestion that you and I talk about self-care. And as I was reflecting on this throughout my work day to day, I really felt in my heart that it was important to start with a little bit of a preamble. Um, and if if anyone has heard me speak or done supervision with me, you, you often hear me say this, which is anything I have to offer, take what works for you. And if there's something that I'm saying that doesn't resonate or is really off the mark given your circumstance or feels unhelpful, which is, of course, not my intention, um, trust your own inner instinct on that. And give yourself permission to let it go. You know, that what the things that I have learned and the things that I've thought about as as it relates to taking care of ourselves is certainly biased through the lens of my own lived experience um, and my own privileges, some of which I'm aware of and some of which I'm sure I'm not aware of. Um, so all to say our thoughts around this are are within the spirit of support. And what we don't wanna have happen is added feelings of guilt or pressure or you're not doing it right. You know, as I was like thinking about our conversation and I was doing the dishes after dinner, I was thinking about, gosh, you know, what I hope everybody can feel is that however you're getting through this time is good enough. You know, what you feel like you need or what feels supportive to you, um, that's great. You know, there's no sort of raising the bar or shifting expectation or putting pressure on you to be to be doing it a certain way. Um, that I think that um, all of us, particularly all of us who work in the profession of really caring for other people, um, this this spirit of how you're showing up I think is with the best of intentions it's the the best of what you've got and that's all you can give so I just wanted to start off that way and I don't I would just take a little bit of a pause and I don't know if there's anything that you want to add to that Fiona
1: you know I
0: just always appreciate the way that you really set the foundation and that's something that you and I share a lot in common, you know, setting a foundation for what are we actually even talking about here and starting from a place of permission and consent, Mm
1: -hmm. which I know
0: is something that uh, you and I and a lot of our colleagues really talk about a lot. And even, you know, when it comes to something which seems seemingly Um, you know, separate to something which requires permission and and consent, that even caring for oneself, um, you know, I I wonder whether offering ourselves permission to be able to choose, to choose, you know, whether we even participate in listening to what you and I be talking about or not. Or or not. So I, I really love that, you know, being able to, because it's on one hand, the, you know, take what you wish, leave what doesn't resonate. On one hand, I, I, would, I would imagine that anybody listening to this is like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. But being able to kind of zoom out to the bigger picture and think about how much right now actually we're being told, instructed what to do a lot. And that, that lies in contrast to having choice and consent so none of us consented <laughs> to this in the same way as none of us consent to being exposed to diet culture, for example. Um, you know, so I really, really appreciate you just setting the foundation and getting really clear about what is this that we're actually talking about here, and starting
1: from that place. So thank you.
2: Yeah, and honouring that that what I might need in any given moment, in my capacity to meet that need, is going to look Really, really different than anybody who's listening and there's wisdom in that. So, you know, to me, some of the big themes that I have been thinking about that sort of might, might make sense for lots of people rather than just some people. Some of the themes that have been on my mind, um, is that it's so connected to the work that we do, right? Is that really that practice of self trust and listening? You know, for instance, um, and so if we're, we're, let me back up. If we're talking about caring for ourselves, and I know sometimes we have, we almost don't even want to say the word self care because it's, it's just become this like entity that, um, you know, I don't know, only looks like bubble baths or something. Um, that for me, it speaks to, as much as you can, as much as you have the autonomy, it does speak to boundaries. Um, it, I think it does speak to honoring the fact that, of course, you also have needs and limits of what you can and can't tolerate. Um, and that I hope that there is so much practicing of grace and self-compassion for screwing it up. And if it feels okay, I'd kind of like to share a little anecdote from last week. Would that, would that be
0: yeah. all right? Love when I love the
2: anecdote, bring it on, yes. When I, when I totally screwed it up. So last week, um, things really f- like flipped on its axis. You and I were talking about this. And, and my week from last Tuesday to Thursday was almost unrecognizable. It was things had shifted so dramatically. And so it was midday, and I had a flat-out day on Thursday, just back-to-back-to-back with sessions. And um, midday, I went to go use the bathroom in our office suite, and there was a sign posted on the door, turned out to be from our landlord, who I'm not a fan of, and all of the bathrooms had signs that said, out of order, do not use. And not only was it in our suite, but it was in every suite in the building. And suddenly our building had no bathroom, and we also had no ability to wash our hands in the midst of you know, Harvard having you know, shut down the day before and things really feeling a lot more intense. And I said um, to my employees, Sarah, I said, you know what? This has sort of pushed it over the edge for me. The rest of my day is virtual. I'm gonna take my next session via phone while I'm driving and I'm gonna go home because if I can't go to the bathroom, um, and I can't wash my hands. Like I can I cannot be present. Like I just, I can't. So I left, I actually had a decent phone session in the car. The person I was supervising was totally understandable. We actually had a great understanding. We had a great session. And then I hopped on zoom for my two o'clock and I realized, Oh my gosh this client is at a different time than she normally is. And I guarantee she's sitting outside of my office and waiting for me right now. This is not a virtual session. And I was like, this is what happens when we're thrown for a loop. We hit a little bit of panic. Amygdala fires off. Right. And we're we're forced to make these sort of quick decisions. And I screwed up. I felt horrible. I mean I felt really terrible and I called my client and I said hi are you in this office and she said yes where are you and I said well I'm at home (laughs) and this is someone who knows me really well gratefully and I said I am so sorry here is what happened I totally messed up and she was so gracious about it And she said Marcy none of us are fully in our right minds right now. All of us are on high alert. You know, these things happen. So gratefully she met me with so much compassion and she was able to find a, a private space. And we spontaneously had a phone session, you know, and I checked in with her and how is this feeling for you? Do you want to find another time? And she said, you know what? I feel like I can do this. And, and it worked out fine. And I'm you what, we are like still laughing about it. Um, And, and an important sort of self-care moment for me was not beating myself up, was sort of surrendering into my own humanity of like, I'm going to do this totally imperfect because we are all operating in a place that none of us have operated from before. Right. And so I think about the ways that we offer that compassion and that perspective taking with our clients And for me, the practice is also applying it to my own self.
0: Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that just so much. And what you really were illustrating there is how we can turn towards ourselves with kindness and clarity and understanding, particularly in the moments where we mess up and you know um those of you watching or listening will understand that that's one of the core pillars of self-compassion um and that self-compassion isn't just a nice idea it's actually one of the um one of the practices that right now is actually going to be pivotal
1: um
0: Mm -hmm. and is very much part of the self-care suite of things isn't it you know the way that we are able to hold ourselves and it doesn't mean I mean you and I Marcy I know are both you know you and I speak a lot about you know steadiness in storms and things like that and right now I think we need to probably be clear that our our degree of steadiness and our, our capacity it's going to look a little bit different and and our boat is going to be a lot more rocked around um, and uh, being able to access, you know, that, that kindness and that capacity within ourselves to find, maybe it is finding
1: humour. <laughs> if we have that available to us,
0: right? <laughs> um, and sometimes we won't be able to find that. We will have messed up to a point where, or something will have happened to a point where, it's so difficult to you know find find some humor in it um and that you know holding ourselves in the spirit of warmth mm-hmm. and a common humanity um is is actually what what we can do
2: yeah and it's a, and it is a practice right and that you know one of the things that i share with my clients all of the time and my supervisees all of the time is that effective grounded clinicians practice all of the things that we talk with our clients about and so really taking that seriously and not holding ourselves almost like is an exception to the rule you know that it's it's you know I've shared this story several times and I'm sure I've said it to you but it has stayed with me because I love this story so much one of my um, colleagues who is a really skilled dbt therapist and when she had her first baby she had a really, really, really long labor. And she said, Marcy, I DBT'd the shit out of my labor.
1: <laughs> I it. It
2: so hard. I loved it because like there was this fierceness and sort of her really honoring, like we, we do the work too. And what the work looks like and what the self-care looks like is also, you know, the gentleness and the, and the self-compassion and, and not holding ourselves to an unrealistic standard that we're going to do the best work that we are capable of doing. And we let our humanity in, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
2: that we are, that we are also people too, that yes, we are showing up for our clients, um, as professionals. And of course we want to remain, um, thoughtful of that and sort of our role as, as really wanting to be steady for our clients. And we're also in the fray as well. And so we are holding both of those things at the same time. And, you know, I was, this has been so on my mind because I was coaching some interns last night and I, you know, along these same lines. And I said, whoa, allow yourselves to be interns, like allow yourselves to be human. You're not these, you know, machines, you're not expected. And I see that with clinicians all of the time where there is, such a feeling of intense pressure that is often put upon ourselves because we take our jobs seriously and we want to do right by our clients, but ways in which that can really get in our own way. And so I I think that embracing our own humanity looks like self-compassion but it's also doing our best to meet some of those fundamental needs. You know, like I have really, really strong limits around news um, viewing and taking in. I actually personally don't watch any news, Mm -hmm. zero, none. Mm -hmm. I will see a headline or two in the course of a day and trust that if something really imperative is said, then I need to know that I'm going to hear about it because I'm, I'm, you know, having conversations with people. And that's really vital for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I am not spending, I'm spending almost zero time on social media because for me, that's not grounding right now. For somebody else, that might feel really grounding and it might feel mm-hmm. connecting.
0: That's not the kind of connecting I need right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. I love those examples Marcy
1: because what that really invites us to do is to, is to be really resonant with what we need at any one time and
0: to be willing to shift that. So what we might ask ourselves just to give this a little bit of shape is you know, when I, for example, check Facebook five times in a day, uh, an hour, a minute, right. you know, how does that feel to me? Am I even noticing how that feels? Am I feeling comforted and soothed, or am I feeling activated and worried? So this is, if you think about it, the parallel process here is, of course, obvious where we are working with people who we're inviting them to become more resonant and to be more attuned to their own wisdom and to the signals that their, that their body is giving them and their mind is desperately trying to override. Right. And so how can we use this opportunity? I don't love that phrase now because it's been totally overused at the moment, but how can we, really lean in to the idea that actually we can practice this for ourselves in a, in a, in very, um, overt ways.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and it is
2: in some ways about, um, standing in what I need is also legitimate. Right. So, yes. it's, so it's interesting because, you know, Fiona, before we hit record, you said, you know, I, I think of you as sort of one of the, the masters of self-care, which makes me laugh because we really got to know one another in a, in a really intimate way doing our body image workshops. And so you learned some things about me and ways in which there are certain things that I really feel that I needed, you know, when we were traveling together and you and I had conversations about that. Um, I am someone who I identify as an empath and I also have to be really careful, even though I am actually quite extroverted and very, very relational by nature, um, can get like sensory overload. So when I'm in my, like, say in a hotel room or in my home, um, I, I do well as much as possible to have some real quiet time, you know, so we talked through that together (laughs) and it was really funny because I roomed with Haley Goodrich at a conference but beforehand I said "Um, just so you know if this doesn't jive for you it's totally fine but we probably shouldn't room together but when I come back after a long day of the conference, I actually, I really needed to be quiet. So I don't ever turn on the TV. And as much as I'm going to want to connect with you, I'm really deeply going to need some quiet time. And she is like, Oh my gosh, we are so on the same page. So it worked really well. So those are, you know, small examples, but my ability to do that does hinge on my really feeling also some worthiness and that's where this can get, I think a little bit tricky and honoring that we're all in different places in our process and that this isn't easy. I don't want to sort of say I do it this way and this is the correct way to do it. Not at all. Um, There are other ways and other things that I grapple with, you know, believe me. Um, But, but stepping into, I have, I have some needs here that, that may be different than my partner's needs or different than what a client might be re- requesting of me and, and I, and I really also deserve to hold that in mind. You know, that sleep for me is, is totally non-negotiable. My health, my physical health, as well as my mental and emotional health deteriorates more quickly when my sleep is compromised than anything else. Right? So my self-care number one I is knowing myself and is knowing i I have to sleep, and it speaks to that sort of like you were saying that kind of the check in and knowing oneself but then also what is the step to to claiming it, and you know you and I were talking about you know what are some thinking about what are some of the obstacles that get in the way, you know, and I, I can imagine there are people who are saying, well, in my situation, I can't make that happen. Or in my situation, I can't make that happen. And again, we don't want to have a, a perfectionistic kind of expectation here. Um, but this is, I think what the work looks like. And it just is a little bit more um, intense given the situation that we're in, but it's, it's often the same stuff.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. You know, Marcy, as as you were talking, it was really interesting how, you know, the, the, what we're, the the kind of core of what we're talking about is the B word, boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we, and you did mention that. I just wanted to bring us back. And then there was two other kind of themes circling that, which might be really helpful to really think about. And so we've already mentioned trust. Um, actually, I'm going to add a third, and that w- that is attunement. <laughs> yeah, a
1: present, a presence, it's, presence, presence, attunement. It's
0: attunement. <laughs> right. And then the third one that you mentioned only a few minutes ago, and that is worthiness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think sometimes we don't necessarily equate these three things. I think there's probably five or six, but just kind of thinking on the fly, trust presence and attunement, worthiness, kind of circles around our willingness to set and maintain our boundaries. Yes. Yes. So so one of the things around that, and I think this kind of knocks us off course, is that we have this assumption that the quote unquote successful setting of boundaries means that people are going to be okay with it. And that's a bit of an error. like it's almost like a um it's an assumptive error on our part that if we are quote-unquote good at setting boundaries or we are successful at setting and maintaining boundaries then it means that people are going to be okay and I think this is where trust and particularly worthiness comes in Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is that when we can lean into our rights as a human it's it allows us greater capacity to set and maintain boundaries, even when people aren't okay with it.
2: Absolutely. And even when we are experiencing something that feels like a crisis, right. like that doesn't suddenly disappear. And it is, it is. and I know you're going to be talking, I can't wait to listen to the conversation that you're going to be having with Jenna, because I know you're going to be talking about sort of clinical themes. And so I'm, I'm kind of leaning in that direction a little bit. Um, but it is, it is imperative in doing the clinical work during these times. So for instance, I have a client who is unbelievably activated right now. This is this is hitting so many buttons for her in terms of fears of abandonment, challenges around attachment, trusting that her treatment team is there for her, even if we aren't sitting, you know, in the same room together. And so she was experiencing so much anxiety baseline in response to all of this. Um, And I had sent an email communicating to my clients, as of now, this is how I'm managing my practice. And then I sent out another email and saying, given the change, this is now how I'm managing my practice. And she wrote back and said, your email totally stressed me out. And I made a decision, and she went on, um, and I made a clinical decision. Do I respond? Do I not respond? And I decided to respond, and then she wrote back, and then I decided to not respond. This was yesterday. And then today, she sends me a text, which we reserve only for identifying appointment times. You know, can we talk? She'd sent me an email. Can we talk? She'd called me. Can we talk? All of this in the space of under an hour. And I was managing childcare. I was managing a colleague phone call regarding another case and um, trying to get into my office. And so I knew that while it felt very urgent for her, it actually wasn't urgent. And that I needed to maintain my boundary of knowing, of course, I'm going to respond to her but I'm going to respond at a time that is, that is reasonable, given what she's needing. I'm not going to disregard her, um, but is also reasonable in terms of all of the things that I'm managing. And, and I think sometimes we can lose, in times of crisis or in times of panic, we can lose sight of where the boundaries are and quickly absorb the panic of our client's anxiety. And, and there are lots of concerns about that, clinically but also in terms of our own personal well-being in that that burns us out that's unsustainable and it is going to um really impact your own capacity to care for yourself right too too much is coming in too much is um almost you know getting inside of our own being and that part of self-care um and I think one of the ways that I am I think pretty good at taking care of myself a lot of the time um is the pa- practice of reevaluating my own boundaries and learning from what happens when i actually don't honor my boundaries which of course i've done that plenty of times and have paid the price and so this sort of taking stock of how do i manage that sort of clear communication and the honoring of boundaries with my clients so that i don't become so compromised and that my own self-care isn't compromised because then we, we, can't, we can't continue to show up. And a, and a lot of people have heard me say this before, that I really mean this in, in so much seriousness, that I take my own self-care as seriously as I take my own clinical supervision and as seriously as I take my own continuing education in terms of my professional well-being. Um, that I, I literally cannot do my job if I'm not and supervision is part of my self-care, right? right. My own therapy is a part of my, my self-care. And I know that then this gets complicated in terms of what people do and don't have access to. So again, I want to be so thoughtful about that. Um, but being in a position as a, a provider of care for other people, it's, it's part of the job requirement. It's like, are you licensed and do you have ways in which to get these fundamental needs met? Um, because otherwise it it becomes
0: destructive. It's not, it's not sustainable. Yeah. I really love those examples you gave Marcy because they're really, um, diverse and they really speak to us being attuned to what we actually need and how to navigate particularly these times, which have been unexpected in so many ways. And you know, things feel quite chaotic and if we know there's a part of ourselves that tends to become reactive to, to chaos or we tend to, you know, I, I think, I, I definitely um, think there's that uh, for most of us it's we fight flight freeze, you know, we either tend to avoid or we get activated ourselves or, um, you know, and that compromises our capacity to uh, to be able to access even good not good sound decision making um all of i think all of us would have difficulty making sound decisions um whatever that looks like remembering that there's no such thing as perfect decisions as you said we want to be really um we we want to be really thoughtful that we're not enacting perfectionism in this Mm -hmm. at the same time but that for those Folks who are listening or watching to us, watching us as we're having this conversation, be so interested. You know, um, to to set you a little bit of homework, and and that is, I guess, around. You know, how how do you know when when something feels caring? What does that feel like to you? How do you, you know, what what are the what are the sensations that you're picking up in your body that are telling you that something feels soothing or something feels a little uh, less activating or brings you in closer connection to your own experience in a way that allows you to understand it or brings you in closer to connection to the experience of another person, which allows you to have empathy without becoming entangled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because Marcy, I know you and I are both big fans of but having these conversations, but then also doing the work in the background too. So I often no apologies to, to anybody for that little <laughs> self-reflection, um, but that, you know what we've really been talking about is that caring for oneself. We can only care for ourselves as much as we have the capacity to understand what that looks like, sounds like, and feels like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and trying to make room for whatever that looks like, feels like, sounds like for you. Yes. Is wonderful. It's wonderful. Right? That when it is connected and attuned, as you were describing, there isn't a right or wrong. You know, the other night, for me, it was listening to one of the interviews from the Be Nourished Summit. I had my coloring book out, and I had warm chocolate chip cookies. Mm. And I sat there, and I was like, this is... I am, I'm hitting so many sweet spots for myself. And the other night it was forcing myself to close my laptop and get myself up to bed and said, you, you, you need to stop right now. You need to get into bed.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it's,
2: it's, it's going to look different for any of you at any one moment, but it is that attuned to one, to oneself. And that's the practice. Especially because, we're, again, we want it, we're we dropping the perfectionism. There are going to be nights where we nail it and, and, and days where we're...
1: Oh, yeah, where we're losing our shit all over the place. <laughs> we're abandoning
0: our clients in the waiting room and heading home. I mean... <laughs> That's right. Like... <laughs> Do you know, can I, can I go back a step and just really reiterate... Those examples that you gave, because I think we've we've really um, emphasised the kind of the leaning in and the softness and the kindness and the kind of um, bringing down. Because at the moment the climate is really up, you know, yeah. overstimulated, chaotic and speeded up, almost thing, almost almost. Um, whereas what you really talked about with the closing of your laptop. You know, we might imagine that we're taking ourselves by the hand and saying, Come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. So remembering that there is there can be a both a, a softness, a kindness, a leaning in, a kind of a deactivation. And then there might almost be a um like a a, a kind, clear and, and firm part of us that's like, actually you know, that's part of boundary setting as well, is mm-hmm. really being resonant to sometimes when we are numbing out or when we're avoiding or becoming attached that that when we can um when we can draw on that part of us that it's almost like taking our own hand and saying come along now come along Yes.
2: Yeah. i love that i don't know if you had the opportunity to listen to um or take part in tara brock's symposium that she did maybe a month or six weeks ago oh it was so phenomenal. And she interviewed, it was a a symposium about radical compassion and of course connected to her newest book, which I own, but haven't read yet. And she interviewed Kristen Neff, who of course has researched and written exhaustively on self-compassion. And she talked about some of the newer work that she's doing on self-compassion. And I'm going to muddle this up because this is a, a retelling of the interview. And I'm so not an expert on this, but she talks about the yin and the yang or the yang energy as it relates to self-compassion. And sometimes it is that, that sort of that gentleness, those softness. And, and sometimes it looks like that sort of stepping up and being assertive and it's self-compassion and it doesn't always look meek. It can look lots of lots of different ways. And so she talked about that in depth and it was just so fascinating because it really expanded my understanding of, of how self-compassion can look and feel. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm very excited. She's apparently also working on a new book. So I think this is going to be written in her next book that comes out, which I'm really going to look forward to. Um, but I think that's, that's exactly right. I love that you sort of, you picked that out. Um, I was actually thinking about Another piece that I said that we would get to in terms of the connection and we know that neurobiologically we are wired to connect and that all of us I think are going to be experiencing the impact of having less in person connection. And and I don't know what that's gonna look like for me. I have a memory of the Boston winter, I think it was four or five years ago, where we had snowstorm after snowstorm after snowstorm and we were surrounded by snow tunnels and I started to feel like I was becoming Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like I really was sort of like, I'm losing a grip on reality, I need human contact um and so i'm i'm really aware of that for myself and sort of thinking you know what is this going to look like we don't we don't know exactly what it's going to look like but we do know that we need human connection and the way that we need it um and the way that we can access it is going to be different but also how do we how do we make that you know a priority i was i was really struggling with another clinical situation and and one of my dear friends is the therapist on the team and I said, hey, do you have time texted or do you have time for a five-minute call? I'm basically looking for you. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a place to vent and for you to tell me what to do.
1: <laughs> and, and so you
2: just sort of assert my needs and set the expectation, right? But again, it was connecting with someone who knows me so well, you know, that she she could laugh at my text and that we could get on the call and I could get really that need met, that I could only get met in a trusting relationship. Yes. Okay, so this is going to happen clinically. It's going to happen in our personal lives, but we, we really do need to find those ways, those ways to have contact, which is why when you suggested this conversation, I was like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're going to need it more than ever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so whether
2: it's relying on your supervisor or your supervision group or trusted friends who are colleagues as it relates to grappling with the work stuff, but then also, you know, friends or family to be able to kind of process through the the other things um, is really vitally important. And I really um, trust humanity's capacity for ingenuity and unbelievable creativity. And I'm I'm, I'm seeing it around me. People are making it happen in ways that they can
0: they are and I think it's it's probably you know this this
1: collision of meeting our needs necessity and being more conscious as well Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting I mean mother earth or the universe
0: or whatever she pissed right now (laughs) (laughs) she pissed (laughs) so you know so those of us who are caring for others it's a it's a it's
1: certainly a call mhm certainly
2: a call mhm yeah one of the things also, I'll will sh- share this and you can let me know if I need to stop talking um so it's, it's some of my clients and this is sort of at the risk of getting political here some of my clients have likened some of what they're feeling right now to, um, what they felt in the United States after Donald Trump got elected. Hopefully it's okay that I'm getting political here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, people have a right to their own feelings and experiences for sure. Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, and, and I was in a supervision group and we were talking about the ways that certain, certain people were feeling incredibly compromised and unsafe. And, and the ways that for us as providers, it was sort of feeling like, oh, my gosh, how do we sustain continuing to put out in support um, amidst some really big challenges. And, and one of the memories that came to me um, was when actually I was, in, I was in Chorus. Do you guys have Chorus in Australia? Is that a thing? No. What's that? It's a class in school. It was in my middle school where it's it's singing. Singing. Oh
0: yeah. 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 Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, it's called choir, 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 choir. Mm -hmm.
2: And you learn the skill of when you're carrying a really long note. The idea is that when I need a breath, I'll take a breath. And then after, and my neighbor's sort of listening, when did Marcy take her breath? Okay. I'm going to go next. Marcy just took her breath. And it was this beautiful memory that I was flooded with. And I think there's also some trusting in, as we are all sustaining this different landscape that none of us know how long things are really going to look very different, um, is trusting that we can take up space and have needs and sort of take our breath and know that someone's going to hold it, and then they're going to take their breath and then go to their own therapist, and then someone's going to take the next breath. I had a really sweet client today who said, you know, I feel so worried about Sharing some of my anxieties because I'm I'm worried that it's going to upset you,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you know, so so thoughtful, and so we were able to t- talk about that, and and um, you know, little did she know I had my own therapy two hours earlier, and so it is this really beautiful in our sort of having needs and uh, and making room for our own self care and sort of claiming it and trusting that there is a communal sharing with one another and that in that sharing, we're able to get through this difficult stuff, even though in our own ways we're, we're suffering or we're struggling.
0: I really appreciate that memory of yours so, so much in ways, uh, in ways so far reaching. And as a community of healthcare providers, that is there could not be better timing could not be more resonant that i imagine well i know that there are some of us who are feeling like we are just hanging on right now Mm -hmm. and that in the food and body image healers group in the mindful dietitian group
1: in the edrd pro group um, in inspired inspired
0: to seek group there are lots of spaces where we can find community and people who are also either just hanging on or actually actually kind of actively losing their shit yeah and that that's okay and that when we can share a breath i just love that in so many ways i'm definitely taking
1: that out oh I love that when that came to
2: me, that memory and I shared it with my supervision group and I don't know how much it impacted the others necessarily. I mean, I think of course it was met with, you know, gratitude in my sharing that because it meant something to me, but it touched me so deeply Yes, and it has really stayed with me, this concept of this sort of sustaining something that it, at times feels unsustainable, but it's only uns, it's only sustainable when we're in the sharing of it
1: together. Correct. And, um, that's a very, for me, it's very comforting. Hmm. Very comforting. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that so, so much. The sharing of a breath
0: because in it, you know, in, um, in pranayama, which is the yogic breath work, I guess, you know, we talk a lot about the energy of the breath Mm
1: -hmm. and that the
0: breath is essentially a a life force. Mm -hmm. It is a life force. It is the life force in so many ways. Um, So I I hope that that is helpful for lots of people. I mean, that has, uh, my mind is going in in lots and lots of different directions and I'm really actively just aiming to stay here in this conversation because I'm like, oh my God, that reminds me of this and this and this and this, but
1: we can just leave that alone and just stay in in the breath. Mm -hmm. Love it. Before we kind of um before we finish up, Marcy, is there anything else that we
0: kind of missed around caring for ourselves as we're caring for others? We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about tunement, we've talked about presence, we've talked about trust, we've talked about boundaries and how that intersects with the aforementioned
1: uh constructs and ideas. We've talked about sharing a breath. Um mm. You've shared some <laughs>
0: your messing up story which was so gratefully received. We've all been mm-hmm. there. We've all been there. I can show you can look. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Is there anything we've missed?
2: There is there is nothing specific coming to my mind and nothing specific that, you know, I was I had in my mind that I wanted to bring to this conversation, but more just um an offering to each person who is listening and who might need to hear this is just knowing that however you are navigating this is just right and that you are enough um and that there is so much of waiting into the unknown um but to know that we are with you um and that we are so many of us are in this together and that we have this gorgeous incredible wise resilient community and how wonderful that we aren't alone mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. thank goodness for a community thank goodness mhm mhm Marcy, as always, I'm
0: just so grateful to you for um, your generosity, for your wisdom um, and for for bringing such, you know, um, for sharing with us so many great, not only practical ideas, but then also um, ways in which we can, um, you know, zoom out and take a look at Um, at what's kind of going on in the world what's going on for us in a way that both honors our experiences as well as invites us to um, you know to be able to be uh, actively connected and to be able to meet our needs and as as different different experiences arise so thank you so so much I really really appreciate it I um, you know you and I are both holding some real sadness and grief over not being able to connect in person this year as we had these amazing Mm -hmm. plans in place. And, um, I'm really looking forward more to the end of the year. So hopefully that will happen. We'll be able to connect actually in person.
1: Yes. Oh gosh. Yes.
2: Um, thank you again for the invitation to have a, a conversation and I'm really eager as, as we share this and people have a chance to listen, um, to hear other people's thoughts and to learn um, from, from others and in, in response to our conversation. And That is, is something that I'm really going to look forward to.
0: Yeah, me too, me too. So if you're listening or watching, um, we're going to make um, some space for uh, continued conversation Um, So, so just be looking out for, you know, when, where, and how that will happen. And we're just going to keep this conversation open because this is, this is not just relevant to world events at the moment. This will be hopefully an avenue to ongoing conversations about how we can be expansive
1: rather than reductive um, and be truly caring for ourselves and each other and the world. as 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 But thank you again, Marcy. I really appreciate you so, so much. Yeah. Such a treat. Take care. You too.
0: Well, that's our episode of the Mindful Dietitian interview series for today. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest and to you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that you can find me over on the website www.themindfuldietitian.com.au and please join actually quite a large group of wonderful and enthusiastic dietitians on the closed Facebook group, The Mindful Dietitian. The music you hear is called Happiness from Ben Sound, used under the Creative Commons license. Have a great day, everyone!